Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. Sirius XM Channel 80. We're on your smart speakers. Download the podcast. Harry Douglas sitting in for Jay Will today. Guys, Brian Flores and his attorneys are on Get Up on ESPN with Greeny at 9.30 Eastern today. So that's about an hour and a half from hour and 29 minutes from now. You check them out. Brian Flores and his, his attorneys. Why? Because Brian Flores, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins, Bill Belichick coaching tree, longtime uh, uh, coach in various positions with the New England Patriots, is suing the New York football giants, um, among others, uh, for discriminatory hiring practices. He was he got a text which he provided um, in the in the uh, suit. From Bill Belichick, days before Brian Flores was to interview with the Giants, congratulating him on his hire. So he's like, "Wait, what? I got hired. I didn't get. In. I didn't get the interview yet." And Belichick was like, "Oh, whoops! I thought I was texting Brian Dable." <laughs> <laughs> so Brian Flores is like, "Look, I'm not going to be your your quota. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be here just so you could check a box. I, I expect a fair shake." And guys, well, let me say this. Here's from the Giants' point of view. He alleges, Flores, that the Giants interviewed him last month for their head coaching vacancy for no other reason than compliance with the NFL Rooney Rule. The Rooney Rule requires teams to interview minority candidates for their open positions. The rule says, in part, that a team must hold an in-person interview with at least one external minority candidate, not from the organization, for any GM or head coach opening. Flores says he interviewed with the Giants via Zoom January 18th, says on the 24th, New GM Joe Shane finalized his second in-person interview date for January 27. Hours later um, is when he got the messages from Bill Belichick. Buffalo and the New York Giants, that you are their guy. Uh, obviously, he's, he's referring to Dable. Thought he, was talk- he thought he was texting Dable. Belichick did. So when, when Flores asked Belichick to clarify, yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, sorry. All right, so here's the Giants statement, Key, Harry. We interviewed an impressive and diverse group of candidates. The fact of the matter is Brian Flores was in the conversation to be our next head coach until the 11th hour. <laughs> Little red flag for me there, the 11th hour thing. <laughs> Brian Flores, they should have wrote, Brian Flores was in our, was in our conversation to be the next head coach until well, we hired Joe Shane, then he's going to bring his guy. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt was most qualified to be our next head coach. Key, let's start with you. Um, what should happen with the Giants here? We've been talking about Brian Flores. What should happen with the Giants? Well, <clears throat> I think I think that once it, okay, let's assume I'm going to assume that everything that Brian Flores is saying is true. Then the league itself, the NFL and the commissioner Roger Goodell, should promptly step in, dock the Giants 
financials as well as draft picks, but also terminate the contract of Brian Dable. Because if you look at it, not the same, it's not apples to apples, with the Las Vegas Raiders and John Gruden. The moment that John Gruden emails started to seep out and the negativity started to focus in on some of the people inside the NFL offices, what did they do? They asked for John Gruden basically be removed. So I think when you look at it, that's what should happen to the Giants. But there's a big difference between, like, in that case, John Gruden, the coach, had sent emails with some awful stuff in there. This is not Dable, the coach, hasn't done anything like that. It's just that the process by which he was hired seemed to have excluded or skirted the Rooney rule at the very least and at, 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 the, at the expense of so it wasn't Brian fair, Flores. It wasn't fair hiring practices at the expense of Brian Flores. And I understand it's not the same. I understand. But what I'm saying is they actively moved because it affected people in the league front office mm-hmm. as well as owners in the National Football League. The things he said about the Tampa Bay owners, the things he said about the commissioner, Roger Goodell. I understand the language wasn't used in this case. There was no, there was no. Dable didn't do anything wrong. In other words. I understand yeah. that. I get it. But the organization did. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, so, Harry. therefore, punish uh, hey, hey, them. Hey, Harry. I think, I think he, 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 here's what I think he is trying to say, Max. Mm-hmm. This is an opportunity for the NFL and Roger to get uh, Goodell to make a statement that things like this aren't going to transpire anymore in the National Football League. And if they don't make this statement, we're going to continue to see this over and over and over again. Sometimes somebody has to be the sacrificial lamb. On the flip side, Brian Flores was. So now on the flip side of that, the New York Giants organization have to be that sacrificial lamb now. I'd like the Denver Broncos to be the sacrificial lamb as a Giants fan. I think they should make this exact point, but do it about the Denver Broncos. Look, the the fact of the matter is Brian Flores, if you examine it, Belichick coaching tree, which has not borne a lot of fruit, but he took over an Adam Gase team that was just terrible. And the first five games of that season, as he's getting his hands around the whole job, they were outscored by historically bad margins. Like, I, I, I did the math. It was like 163 to 20-something. It was ridiculous. And we were asking on TV, is this the worst NFL team of all time? Have they quit on Brian Flores? No. He won five of the last nine games. The Dolphins won, went five and four over their last nine. That season, the next year, they won ten games. Last year, after a losing streak, they closed out on a winning streak, and they were over 500 last year. He is a coach that players play for. He knows what he's doing and and had a bright coaching future ahead of him. And like When, when he left Miami, we were all like, okay, he's going to get a job somewhere. The question is where. Let's hear from Brian Flores. He was on CBS this morning. He's going to be on Get Up at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN today. This morning he was on CBS and talked about his feelings after he got the accidental text from Belichick revealing – that Dable was getting the job. Humiliation, disbelief, anger. And I've worked so hard to get to, to, to where I am from a, uh, in football, to become a head coach. Put 18 years in, in this league, and it was uh, to go on at what was going to be a, what, what felt like or what was a sham interview. I was, uh, I was hurt. Stop right there for me, Max. Mm-hmm. Stop right there. Now, what he just mentioned and what he just said is how every other black man 
who went in for a job interview that didn't get it, that felt that lead of just being toyed with, that's how all of them felt as well. Because remember, remember what he just said now. If you listen to it, he has worked extremely hard to get to where he is, just like so many other coaches uh, of color. And to be tossed around like a rag doll, basically. Used as a prop. It's unacceptable. Yeah. He's used as a prop, basically. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's demeaning. It's disrespectful. It's upsetting. It's all of those things. I had a friend who called me, and I'm not going to mention his name, but we talked for about 45 minutes the other day, and he's up for one of these head coaching jobs, and he happens to be black. And he called me, and he wanted to know what I thought about interviewing. And this is before the Flores situation came out. And him and I already kind of know who they're going to hire just based on some information. And he said, Key, man, you think, I should, you think I should do the interview? I said, you know what? Do it for experience. Just do it for experience because you just never know if you walk in there, you could potentially wow them to a point where they may change their mind on all of the information that's being leaked out. And he said, you know what, I think I, I think I am going to do the – I think I am just going to do the interview. Now, he's going in there knowing that he probably isn't going to get the job. And if he doesn't get the job, he won't feel like Brian Flores because he already knows. It's already in his mind that he's not going to get it. He's already feeling up against it. That's not the way Flores felt. Yeah. I, I, one of the things about the Rooney Rule guys that I liked – I, or, I, or at least let me put it this way, that I thought was part of the purpose of the rule was, as you just said, Key, it's not even that, oh, you'll wow them if, even if they've already made up their minds, they're just checking a box with this, but you're in the room. They're meeting you. you. You make a good impression. The next time a job comes up, you're on their radar. You get, you know, you get into the kind of circles of power, right? But, uh, you know, and many people have made this point. This is not an original point. The fact, like, I'd like to hear owners who are like, look, we know who we want to hire, but, uh, you know, we got to just pay attention to this rule. I'd love to hear from them. Okay, the rule is flawed, and it's not, a, it's not just a, a, a cure-all. You know, it's not just, hey, this, press this magic button, now everything is better. Racism is cured, right? I would like to know from those owners, okay, what do you propose? Because the fact that you even need a rule... Because at this point, there's one African-American head coach in the NFL. And by the way, he needs to be a Hall of Famer who never goes below 500 in his entire career in order to keep his job. It's like that's a problem in a league of 70% african That's a problem. No, it it is a problem and it needs to get fixed. And and one of my good friends and and colleagues at the National Football League, Isaac Bruce, is on with us now and he joins the show. Isaac, you've been listening to this conversation a little bit now about where things are and what happened to Brian Flores. What was your initial re- reaction to this news when you saw that Brian Flores was being treated the way that he has been treated by three NFL clubs that he either interviewed for or worked with? Um, I tell you what, man, just just the shock and the uh, amazement of it. You know, I think that those emotions left us a long time ago, man. I mean. But the disappointment, I think that that's still there, and it grows. And it's unfortunate that he has to go through this. Um, you know, he's proven to be a really good coach. I mean, any coach that can take a, an organization like the Miami Dolphins that has been reeling since Dan Marino left and turn it into what it was turning into, uh, eight straight wins during the season. And 
everybody was shocked that he that he lost his job. We thought he was well on his way to probably uh, making Tua who he needs to be or securing another quarterback, bringing him in so he can really challenge in the AFC East, and then he gets fired. So we're, I'm shocked by that. Um, there's a lot of underlying stuff, man. Um, you know, I grew up in South Florida, which is a melting pot. You know, when I left South Florida, I went to L.A., which was another melting pot. I really didn't start to learn what racism was until I landed in Memphis, Tennessee. And at the school, you know, you have all the football players. You have white on this side at the, at the uh, training table and black on this side at the, train, at the other side. And I t- kind of got tutored by both sides. You know, one of my best friends, he's from Prattville, Alabama. He, he told me that, you know, the racism that's up in your face, that's blunt, that's, that tells you, listen, I don't like you and, and, and you go over there and I'll sit here. That's the kind he preferred versus, you know, the high fives and the slaps on the butts and the congratulatory Texas messages that you get from certain people. But in actuality, they're not for you, but totally against you. So when you see this at, at some of the highest levels, man, it's, 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 it's hugely disappointing. And I got to commend uh, Coach Flores for stepping up, man. I mean, it's one of those Esther moments, man, where he's willing to put his career on the line, so to speak, and just really expose it to, to, to this certain extent. So I, I commend him for doing that. Isaac, when you look at the National Football uh, League, right, you see a guy like Steve Wilkes, who only got one year. You look at a David Cully, who only got one year. Flores, back-to-back winning seasons for the first time in 20 years in Miami Dolphin history. A guy like Jim Caldwell, who is more than qualified, doesn't have a job right now. Eric Bieniemy, uh, who has the resume more so than so many other people who are getting these head, coaches, uh, head coaching jobs. What do you think that message sends to the world? when things like this are transpiring? I think the message is it's okay for you guys to work for us but not be on the same level as us and have the same opportunities as far as having uh, being able to be in ownership positions or positions of power. It's okay. It's not okay for that. Um, who knows? I mean, I think deep down inside, you know, even with the Flores uh, situation here, maybe some of these owners or general managers – didn't like who he married. I mean, let's be real about it. Let's put that out there. Because as far as coaching football is concerned, every guy that you just named has had some level of success coaching in the National Football League, and they've done well. So um, I think people just want to keep others in a, in a certain place. And it's, it's at the very highest level that uh, the NFL presents and some of the smallest levels. If you're working at a, you know, at a, at a smooth cookies place, I mean, it, I mean, people just want that. That's what they want. So – uh, it's unfortunate that it's still happening, but truly not shocked or amazed by it, just disappointed. Isaac Bruce, Pro Football Hall of Famer, four-time Pro Bowl and Super Bowl champion, joins us this morning on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max and Harry Douglas filling in for Jay Will. How can we change it, though? What, what's next, man, Isaac? What, what do we need to do as current and former athletes to make a difference so that these owners wake the hell up? Well, we're, we're going to have to be an owner. I mean, we're going to have some ownership. Um, I, I think initially what we can do is we can tell our nieces, our nephews, uh, those who are coming behind us, listen, there's nothing wrong with going to HBCUs. There's nothing wrong with it. We can, we can make uh, uh, those brands, those uh, the, the, the Nike brands, the Under Armour brands come right to the HBCUs and bring their resources there and just keep our talents right where, you know, in places where uh, 
let's be real. Let's where we're comfortable. I mean, I think the owners are hiring people that they're comfortable with. I mean, that they go have dinner with, that they have the lunches mm-hmm. with. And many times, you know, in passing, they'll speak to us or we'll speak to them. But we're not really sitting down at, at a table with them having lunch and discussing, you know, how they got to where they are and, and, and them figuring out how, how and who we are. So if we start ushering, you know, our nieces and nephews to the HBCUs of the world and start flooding it there and, and watch us be planted there and start to flourish in those places and once again, I think we draw them to us instead of we having to always go to them. Let's talk about the Rams for a minute here, Isaac oh, yeah. Bruce. Let's do it. Uh, the Rams, obviously, as you know, was the first team to reintegrate African Americans back into the night back into the National Football yes. League in 1946 yes. with Kenny Washington. Now they find themselves in the Super Bowl at home against the Cincinnati Bengals in SoFi Stadium. Um, this is the first time that they've been in the Super Bowl. In a long time, it feels like, even though it's been a short period of time with Sean McVay, this is his second trip there. What do you expect the Rams to look like against Cincinnati on Super Bowl Sunday? Well, okay, hopefully hopefully they don't exhale, man. I mean, this was a huge opportunity, this NFC Championship game, for the entire team, the organization, to exhale. I mean, uh, finally, you know, beating the San Francisco 49ers after seven tries and uh, catapulted themselves in the Super Bowl 56. So hopefully they're still hungry. Um, They want to come out and and kind of really pressure Joe Burrow. I think uh, Tennessee gave a blueprint of getting after Joe Burrow, uh, putting him on the ground. Uh, But, you know, they still won that game. So hopefully they'll come out with their foot on uh, on the pedal and push forward and try to win this game, man, score as many points as possible and definitely have that offense continue to click the way it has been clicking. So I'd love to see Coach McVay come out with a, with a heavy dose of the run game with Sean Michelle and uh, Cam Akers and really open up things on the outside for us, man, and just let our defense do what they've been doing here uh, the last couple of weeks. We wide receiver heavy today on this show. Me, Keyshawn, yourself. <laughs> so I got to ask you about the quarterback, Matthew Stafford. What has been so impressed about him uh, getting to the Super Bowl in his first season with the Rams? Well, the kid is tough, man. I mean, I, I've seen him take some shots, and, you know, that's one of the things that I used to hear about him when he was in Detroit, just his ability always to show up and just be there for the team. So I've seen that that element of uh, his game, and uh, he, he's shown it tremendously. Uh, has a rifle of his arm. Uh, he can he can make all the throws. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, he, he put Coach McVay back in a position just to be an offensive coordinator and just let him uh, call plays and be one step ahead of the defense once again. So, uh, he's a tremendously talented quarterback and uh, a guy that I feel like, you know, the Cooper Cups and the OBJ should be really, really grateful for to having a uh, quarterback in this team. Isaac Bruce, before we let you go, I got to ask you, because when these playoffs started, I said the most important non-quarterback in these playoffs is Aaron Donald, who, by the way, is still playing basically as well as he, like he's still I, the best I've ever seen do it from from where he, you know, from his position. If I'm honest, I mean, uh, and he he's the guy. What what did you think when you saw him rallying the troops on the sidelines and then going on to make the play that sent them to the Super Bowl? Well, I, you know, we do a podcast, one of my former teammates. I was telling him all week long since the postseason started, Sean McVay, uh, Raheem Morris, they won't have to give a, a, a team meeting speech all postseason long. 
the Jalen Ramseys, the Aaron Donalds are going to be the guys who, who take who take the reins as far as getting the troops rallied. And uh, just so happened, we've seen it outside of the locker room uh, this past Sunday. So I wasn't surprised by it. Um, he realizes what's on the line, the magnitude of what's on the line, not only winning that game, but being going to the Super Bowl, and not only that, but winning the Super Bowl. So just to see him really rally the troops and guys just kind of, uh, you know, uh, march to the beat of his drum, it was good to see, man. So I'm expecting more of that in the next two weeks. He, him just really letting these guys know how big this game is and, and not to exhale too soon because uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, man, they're a formidable opponent uh, led by a great young quarterback. And Jamar Chase is one of the best I've seen at, that, at, at being a rookie in a very long time. Hard to imagine the Rams beating the Bengals without without Aaron Donald stepping up the way he did in that game in the moment of truth. That's the great Isaac Bruce, ladies and gentlemen. Appreciate you jumping on with us, Isaac. Yes, sir, man. Thank you. All right, Reverend. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. And commend Brian Flores more for essentially saying, I may be sacrificing my professional future, but this is too important for me to not do it. What an amazing amount of guts and courage. Most of the time, these interviews are sham interviews. They're, to, they're just yeah. there to appease what we know as the Rooney rule right now. Brian Flores is looking at a bigger picture. I may lose my job. But this kind of stuff that's going on, that I put out these allegations, that has got to change when it comes to that in the National Football League. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas in for J. Will. Today we're, pre- we're presented by Progressive Insurance. So, so far today we've looked a lot at the um, Brian Flores lawsuit against the NFL, the Giants, the Broncos, and the Dolphins, from the point of view of what happened, especially with the Giants, but also the Broncos, that, that theme of, hey, you're brought in at, to fulfill a quota. The, Ro- the Rooney Rule exists. We have to hire – we have to interview in person an external candidate who is uh, so-called minority, in this case African-American. Okay, let's check that off the list. And he doesn't want to be just a quota, right, fulfillment. But we haven't really looked that much at the Miami Dolphins and the fact that he lost his job with Miami in the first place after inheriting an awful team. He turned it around that first season. They won five of their last nine games after getting waxed early in that year. 
The next year they won 10 games, and last year after a, a, a bad losing streak, the team never quit on them, wound up winning more than they lost above 500 last year. Flores said Dolphins owner Stephen Ross attempted to incentivize him to tank or purposely lose games shortly after he was hired in 2019. Now, guys, I'm going to read this right now. You're going to hear from Brian Flores, but you look around the NFL, uh, David Culley gets hired, right? But that's at given his age, given the situation, how long was he going to have that job, right? Like we're down to one African-American head coach, and that's Mike Tomlin. He's going to the Hall of Fame. He's never had a losing season. But in a lot of cases, what even when an African-American head coach is hired, what's the job? What does it entail? What does it mean for the rest of his career? Is it seriously an opportunity to grow his career? Or is he a placeholder? Is he meant to coach a bad team and lose? Because Ross allegedly offered Flores, this is according to Flores, $100,000 for every game the team lost that season in 2019. Flores said that, as the team won games late in the season's Dolphin GM Chris Greer told him Ross was mad that Flores' on-field success was, quote, compromising the team's draft position. Flores also says Ross pressured him into recruiting a, quote, prominent quarterback at the end of the 2019 season, which Flores refused so as not to violate the NFL's rules on tampering. Here's Brian Flores, who's going to be on Get Up in an hour from now. Here's Brian Flores on CBS this morning on why he went against Stephen Ross on tanking and the impact it would have on his career. Listen. To attack the integrity of the game, that's, that's what I felt was happening in that instance, and um, I wouldn't stand for it. And that was Dolphins owner Stephen Ross? Yes, yes. And you think it hurt your career? I, I, think, it, I think it hurt my standing with, with, within the organization um, and ultimately was the reason why I was let go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Key. Well, if, if 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 dirty games is being played like that, I commend Brian Flores for standing up and having some character and not wanting to be a part of the tanking. Because if you go back and you think about it, they were playing bad, and then all of a sudden they had a magical turnaround. But it wasn't because he was tanking, and all of a sudden he got to $700,000 and said, oh, well, this is enough money, I'm going to start winning. It's because they fought to play for him and wanted to play for their coach, and he got them to respond, which shows that he is a good football coach. And in terms of recruiting a prominent quarterback, and he didn't want to get involved in that sort of behavior, I commend him for that. I I really do, because it takes a lot to go against someone who hired you for what I would deem as your 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 dream opportunity to be a head coach of the National Football League because, as we know, and you said many times since we started this show, it is hard as hell to get a job as a black football coach. It is hard. And he had one, but he sacrificed his integrity for it. I'll tell you, the part about it that, that upsets and bothers me the most, I think, is the simple fact that here you have a billionaire owner uh, – putting the character of a guy who has high character at jeopardy. When you talk about losing and the integrity of the game, I can only imagine those players and their frustration right now hearing that, right, that you have a guy sitting at the top. And what I said earlier, a leader, right, 
who, who's in position to hire other people to be leaders, but he's not a leader himself, right? Because leaders don't do that. And then you have the tampering situation with the yard and uh, the quarterback that they, they wanted to meet with, that he wanted to meet with and wanted Brian Flores to be a part of it. Another uh, uh, instance where he's putting the character of Brian Flores in jeopardy. I don't, I don't, Jeopardy, I don't understand that. Like, I just, that bothers me, man, because here it is hard as hell already as a black man to get a job. Hell, anywhere in the national, I mean, anywhere in America, and, and, and people respect you for it, but you're coaching at the highest level, your players respect you, and then you're asking him to do these things. So on the back end of things, if he doesn't do what you say, if you, if you do do it and you don't do what he says, he, he can use, use it against you later on. You know, right? But th- but then when when Brian Flores pushes back, is he's an angry black man? He's hmm. hard to deal with. That, that 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 bothers me. That don't sit right with me. You know, Harry, what you're saying makes me think of something you said earlier, and something that really speaks to Brian Flores's uh, character and his ability to coach and to lead. He basically, in all these things, in the in the fact that he was used as a pawn. Uh, to fulfill the Rooney rule for the Giants, the Broncos, in the fact that he was offered a bribe, basically, right, to uh, lose games, to improve draft status. This speaks to why I think at the root of it, I think a lot of times with African-American coaches, too, it's like when they are given credit, it's because they can they can uh, command a room, but not because they, they're, they're good tacticians or strategists, right? Like there's that kind of... Uh, um, uh, kind of racial profiling in a way as offensive coordinators became the hot thing. Well, that's not really not a lot of African-American offensive coordinators. And when they are, it's like, well, is he really calling the plays? So I don't mean to overemphasize this like leading men thing. But in Flores's case, key, it seems to me, to Harry's point, the common thread through all this stuff with Flores is he's not going to be your puppet. And I think the, uh, a team of football players responds to that kind of personality. He's trying to win. He's not trying to be anybody's puppet. Well, we, as football players, we know puppets when we see them. Am I lying, Harry? Oh, 100%. We, we you know, can you identify. You know the yes man. Oh, we can identify it like it was yesterday on the coaching staff. And he certainly has displayed that that's not who he is. Um, you know, I've had opportunities to go into the front office as a as an ex-player a couple times. I would say three times, maybe four times. And each time that I've had the opportunity to have private conversations before interviews requests was put in, I said, nah, you know what, this isn't for me. Because I knew, talking to those individuals, where it was headed, what they wanted me to do. They wanted me to just be up there and be like, hey, yes, sir, how you doing there, boss? Hey, got the coach over there. He, No, no. No, no, we're not doing that. We we left that a long time ago. And I think that is where Brian Flores' character kicks into high gear, is that he didn't want to do that anymore. So the Miami Dolphins said, you know what? Eh, that's not what we want to do. And now you see the New York Giants situation. We haven't really even touched on the Denver Broncos situation mm-hmm. and John Elway and him going what? up there and interviewing before they hired Vic Fangio. The and ultimate what that disrespect. interview was like. Showing up late, showing up hungover, that, that's, that's, that's a separate disrespect in his own regards. Harry, if, can I, I want to I direct this to you because of the theme that you've been hitting on. It does seem to me that the part of the criticism, and this is subtle, 
this is subtle or t- part of the attitude about this stuff in the NFL and, the, and its fans even is, well, look, the NFL is a don't rock the boat type league. It's a military game. Its roots are at West Point. Rank is very important, et cetera. But it must occur to people that don't rock the boat. Well, what's the status quo? One African-American head coach. So you're never supposed to rock the boat so nothing's ever going to change? Like, I, I, like, that seems to be an underlying uh, – there's, like, like, an undercurrent of that about, well, you know, Brian, you really want to deal with Brian Flores? That's not the way you do things in the NFL. He's rocking the boat. What else is he supposed to do here, Harry? Well, I'll tell you, Brian Flores finished the season uh, winning eight of the last nine games, right? He might be nine yeah. of his last ten because he, he about to win this one. <laughs> because the roof <laughs> – right. and I tweeted this, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire, Max. He don't need no water. We're going to let that bad boy burn. Coming up, what's the significance of Brian Flores naming all 32 teams in the lawsuit? We're going to ask an expert. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle tonight la quinta tomorrow you shine book direct at lq.com the Keyshawn j will and max podcast can't commend brian flores more for essentially saying i may be sacrificing my professional future but this is too important for me to not do it what an amazing amount of guts and most of the time, these interviews are sham interviews. They're, to, they're just yeah. there to appease what we know is the Rooney rule right now. Brian Flores is looking at a bigger picture. I may lose my job, but this kind of stuff that's going on, that I put out these allegations, that has got to change when it comes to that in the National Football League. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max on ESPN Radio, ESPN 2 Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. You can download the podcast. You can tweet us at KeyJ and Max or call us 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Keep in mind, Brian Flores and his attorneys will be on Get Up on ESPN with Mike Greenberg at 9.30 a.m. Eastern today and... Now, look, um, we have Harry Douglas in for Jay Will today, and we also have with us another well-known ESPN host who pulls double duty also as an ESPN legal analyst. Ryan Smith joins us now. Ryan, thanks for jumping on this morning. How you doing? Oh, doing great, Max. Gentlemen, good to talk to you. Key, Harry, yes, good to talk to you. Ryan, what is the significance that Brian Flores named every NFL team in his lawsuit? Well, Max, the, the, the deal there is he's trying to set up a class action. So, in a sense, you see in the lawsuit that he's saying, 
I had experiences that were negative with the Giants, with the Dolphins, with the Broncos. But if you're building a class action, you want to make that class as big as possible because, in a sense, it gives you almost more bargaining power and you could show a bigger impact. So if he just made it about those three teams – then he would only be able to add to the class people who have similar claims, similar arguments. So people who had similar experiences with those teams. As he details in the lawsuit, he talks about a number of other coaches, Eric Bieniemy, others, who've had, he believes, these kinds of experiences with other teams. So what you want to do as a lawyer is you look at this and you say, well, let's make this about all the teams in the league, see who's had similar experiences, and try to bring them all into the class. And as they say in the lawsuit, they think that could be 40 or so or more head coaching candidates, GM candidates, people like that who've been up to jobs but haven't gotten them because of, say, for example, sham interviews or or the way they've been treated, they've been hired, fired in ways that are different from other people. Ryan, how important, and I like to say it this way, how important is the smoking gun of Bill Belichick's text messages to this suit? Well, it's interesting, Key. At first you look at it and you say, well, okay, so Bill Belichick made a mistake, thought he was texting, or at least what we believe is, he thought he was texting one Brian and he texted another. But it ends up being important if a class, if this class gets certified and this were to go to trial. Now, why? In a sense, what the class members have to prove is that there was disparate treatment in a discrimination claim. So I was treated differently from other people who don't look like me. And he's got to show evidence. That's what the court's going to want to see. Okay, so where's the evidence that you were treated differently? So one thing he's going to try to show is, hey, the Giants brought me in for an interview. There was supposed to be this rule, the Rooney rule. They were supposed to, in good faith, look at me and consider me a legitimate coaching candidate. But instead, they hired this other guy, and they brought me in as a sham. Now, how does he prove that? He doesn't have the internal communications, even though if it got that far, they try to get discovery and try to find that. But it's not like a lot of people write down, hey, let's bring in Brian Flores and let's make sure we make this a sham interview because we were going to hire Dable all along. They're not going to, it's going to be hard to find that evidence. The evidence that he's going to have is the text message from Bill Belichick, who he says is an insider, who then is saying, hey, I, I, you might have had a legitimate shot, but instead it's going to be Dayball. And this is three days before you're supposed to have the interview. The implication being, why would they bring him in if they'd already chosen another person just to meet, according to him, the sham process that is the Rooney Rule? Ryan, what would change with this lawsuit if Flores was hired by the Saints or the Texans because he's a <laughs> finalist for both of those jobs? Boy, that would Supposedly. be – yeah, supposedly, Max. That, that would be an interesting development. Now, you could look at this a couple different ways. The first way is, okay, they hire him, and they say, you ask yourself, why are they hiring him? They obviously believe he's a great football mind. He's the man to lead this team. But you know he's filed this lawsuit, and you know what's interesting about this lawsuit, guys, is I think people need to know this. It's not as if he's requesting $100 million. He's asking for money damages, but that's what you would typically ask for. You'd ask the court to determine money damages in class action suits. He wants institutional change. So if you hire him at the Texans or at the Saints, you're saying, I'm bringing along a guy because that's part of his personality. So in a sense, does he drop that lawsuit? I don't think he necessarily has to because if he's hired, yes, you're suing the owners, but you keep the suit going because it's not about one owner or another. It's about changing the way the league does business. Now, in terms of changing the actual change itself, that remains to be seen. But you could really have an interesting dynamic where the Saints or the Texans say, hey, this is a quality we like. 
in Brian Flores, that he's willing to put his career on the line for what he believes in. And, guys, don't rule this out. Look at all the players around the league who are looking at this and saying, I stand with Brian Flores. I stand with what he's doing. If he got a job in New Orleans, maybe there's a couple players out there, some really good players who would say, you know what? I want to play for a guy like that. He put his career on the line to make things better for black folks in the league. Maybe I want to play for a guy like that. Ryan Smith, ESPN host, legal analyst, and he previously served as a lawyer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm -hmm. So clearly, Ryan knows what he's talking about when it comes to legal advice. Um, Ryan, when you look at the re- the NFL releasing a statement yesterday saying Flores' claims were without merit, why did they re- react so fast? Okay, that that's a great question, Key. Here's the thing. In the Lawyer 101 book, when you have a claim like this coming at you, let's just say it's any other industry – Somebody saying, you treated me, you discriminated against me, there's racial discrimination within this country. You'll see a lot of companies say, hey, we deny that categorically. And you do that because you don't want to come out there and say, oh, we might have done this because that might weigh against you if this goes far, if it goes to trial or if you're trying to settle it. But here's the problem the NFL is in and why I was surprised by that. I think they could have tried to thread the needle a little bit better and said, we're going to investigate these claims, but from what we believe, they're without merit. At least then you're saying somebody has made some serious claims, including to a rule that we say is crucial to the league. We have to investigate. But we've talked to the owners. We don't believe it's with merit. The, the problem with not saying that is you, 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 don't, you sort of lend the implication to Brian Flores isn't telling the truth. And this is the very thing that he's fighting against. That is uh, that's a lot. And... Um... Uh, the idea that you're not going to find a smoking gun. Like, you know, it seems to me, Ryan, that they already have, if that's not a smoking gun, the te- just the texts that are available in the lawsuit, if it ain't smoking, it's something. If it's not a gun, it's something. Like, that. that's a whole lot already, just what's available to the public. Yeah, Max, you bring up a great point, because that's the key, right? You, it's a tough thing about employment claims. You got, like, 20 seconds. Yeah, right? no, but here's the thing, Max. You're trying to jump in, and you're trying to say, this is what went into me being hired or fired. But how are you really going to know that? Yep. It's, it's difficult to know that with an employer because you're not on the inside. So that's going to yes, be the challenge in this case. analyst, Ryan Smith. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.